Welcome to the Effective Engineering Manager podcast. Hello, Adam. It's your time today. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Hi, Slava. As you know, we started a series on helping our listeners find their right path to becoming an effective leader. And a few weeks back, we shared a checklist for helping our listeners find and focus your own motivations for pursuing a leadership role. And we also recently heard from Anand Safi on how becoming a leader is not necessarily a promotion. So hopefully our listeners out there have had some time to chew on that and reflect and think about leadership from multiple perspectives, hone in on their own personal motivations, and start to go down that path. So in today's episode, we're going to step further and start to look at what the role of leadership means and how to approach leading from both front and behind. Yes, we hope uh, our listeners are finding this series highly useful in how to best approach pursuing their career path to management as an effective leader. So uh, let's dive into this a bit more. Uh, we often think of leaders as uh, an individual moving team forward. Uh, how can you help explain why that's only half of the picture? Absolutely, and, and a really great question. Often we think of defining leaders as an individual above the rest of the team, like literally in charge of the team and kind of the head of the team and assigning work downward, right? So the manager leader receives kind of direction and then has to feed it down to the team, leading the team forward. And while this does define the logistic, logistical element of task management, it's often a misappropriated metaphor for leading and effective leadership. In particular, in order to be an effective leader, you need to adopt a methodology of servant leadership in some way or a philosophy of servant leadership, which means that you are primarily there to help facilitate the team and the individuals that compose the team for achieving their goals, not just standing in front of them and directing them like a drill sergeant or somehow only looking forward and not looking back at your team. Leading implies guiding the team and also carrying them forward, not just moving forward. And this is a delicate balance that effective leaders often have to learn. Um, and because of that, leading is a marathon. It's not a sprint to a deliverable. It's not a sprint to an end date or a milestone. Uh, leadership is iterative and it's it's ongoing. And it's something that you have to be prepared for if you're going to be an effective leader. Most importantly, you need to rely, be able to rely on your team more and more over time. As you become a leader and as you start to grow, you're going to need to continue to not only delegate, but rely on individuals on your team to be responsible for things that you may have previously done before so that you can grow, that they can grow, and ultimately the team is grown. And so when we look at this, we have to embrace this concept of being able to Yes, logistically lead the team forward and be that guiding force for the team, but also to be able to step back and sit from behind and allow the team to also grow and move forward with you. And we'll talk a little bit about some strategies for servant leadership and how you can lead from behind. So Slava, how has your experience leading from behind positively impacted your team and your experience? Have you ever felt yourself having to adjust frequently? between these two? Uh, you know what, uh, it's a good question. And uh, I was lucky in a sense that I have disco I discovered uh, the servant leadership philosophy and uh, leading from behind um, 
long ago, uh, when I just, was, I think something like more than 25 years ago, in fact, when I started my first company, right? And the very early discovery was that even though I'm super proactive and I'm a type A and I really would like driving things forward, the discovery was that if I empower the team and if I give the team uh, abilities, tools, uh, processes, resources, they are going to be delivering much more and much faster without me continuously controlling the situation, right? And that was amazing. And I think pretty much since that time, I've been doing exactly that. Uh, making sure that the team is well-fed, well-resourced, their professional needs are taken care of, personal needs are taken care of, engineering needs are taken care of, and then just letting them run, right? And I think one of the things that uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, leading from the behind doesn't mean that, be, doesn't mean being hands-off, right? You have to be hands-off, you have to set the goals, you have to monitor the progress, you have to course correct, when things go off track, so there's a it's a it's a fully involved management job, but a fully a fully empowered team is going to be accomplishing so much more than a team that has been continuously driven forward. That's what was my experience, and this is what I've been doing for a very long time. Thanks, Slava. Absolutely, I think that's such a great point that you touch on in um, that you know you have to kind of step back sometimes, and stepping back is is actually an actionable thing that you're doing. So it's not like you're just disengaging, you're doing things for a reason. And I totally agree. From my experience, it's similar. I, I you know, um, one thing I would say when I started as a manager, um, I did feel this need to have to prove myself. And just like I was, I had learned to prove myself as an engineer. And I didn't really have a lot of the structure in place to give me confidence that I could lead from behind. And even though I endorsed the philosophy and I believed in it, it was hard to practice it because I always felt like I had to show my boss that we were, that I was the right person for the job and doing things in a way that would build their, their confidence. And where the inflection point was for me was, you know, after leading for several months and building a team, realizing that my team was actually doing everything I asked of them and they were doing very well, but... I saw that they were not really growing. And when I took a step back and looked at that and said, wow, they're, they're doing things and they're working for me, but I am concerned that they're not growing because I started to think about what would happen if, you know, I couldn't be there for something or I had to delegate, would they be prepared? And I started to say to myself, well, wait a minute, they weren't. And I didn't have somebody who I, at least one person I could rely on as a right-hand man or people to uh, delegate to. So that's where, piv where I pivoted my philosophy. I said, you know, um, enough with trying to prove my management. Let me try to invest in the team that I truly believe in a little bit more. And from that, I started to do a lot of things. I doubled down on one-on-ones. I doubled down on activities of collaboration amongst the team. And, you know, it, it really started to pay off. People recognize that. So that that's where I started to believe in in having a fair balance between leading from both front and behind. So now that we've shared a bit of our experience and you know how we both have had to adjust our own mentality to leading from both forward and front and behind, let's talk a little bit how we can identify some of the vulnerabilities and ways to overcome them. 
Sounds good. Uh, what can we start with? Sure. So let's start with vulnerabilities because that's the heart, I think, of why uh, leaders cannot become very effective from leading from behind. It's They're held back by certain vulnerabilities, either personally or environmentally. So let's talk about those. First thing is new leaders, especially in engineering, often feel they need to prove themselves technically in order to be seen as a successful leader so that they are measured well by their bosses who often may sometimes incorrectly only measure things based on technical acumen. So that's number one, that, that presence of having to prove themselves technically not and other things like leading and, and interpersonal and, uh, relationships you build with your team and um, effective one-on-ones and growing the team in that regard don't count as much. Secondly, new leaders in general often feel they have to show an additional level of assertiveness in assigning work because they feel it may be the only way they can get people to do things. And that's also multidimensional because when you become a new leader, whether you inherit a new team or building a new team, you don't have a relationship to build on. And people are learning, your team is learning from you just as you are learning from them. And there's this natural tendency to become more of a task manager because that's what people will just do just because you're in a position of authority, you can impose them to do tasks or ask, you know, you can require them to do things and that's how you feel you can get things done. Uh, and so that becomes a habit over time and people kind of only respond to that. Next, in engineering, we often don't just switch over roles one day, right? So it's not like your boss comes to you and says, okay, uh, Adam, today you're an engineer, tomorrow we're giving you a team and you're going to lead that team. Um, there's no real like cutover like that. What often happens is you grow into a leadership role and you're, the, the balance between your work you've done as an individual contributor versus work as a leader is sometimes a gray area, especially for a period of time as you're transitioning, as you're you know, building a team uh, to a point where you become that natural leader. So it's not as definitive. And, and because there's that gray area, that can create a vulnerability because you don't, you may not have enough structure in place or investment in that structure to build a team. And then by the time you really become the de facto leader, it may be too late because habits are already formed. Lastly, over time, we learn the only way we can actually grow and do more is by building trust. So it actually takes time for anybody, no matter how many podcasts you listen to, to really believe in it and see that you build trust by building relationships and only then once you have that trust can you actually do things like delegate and and give the team opportunities to grow in their own right thus leading from behind um you know giving up the keys to the car uh is sometimes difficult because you feel like you're losing control you feel like you may not be able to contribute as much you feel like someone else can take your job Um, and those are all very valid concerns and vulnerabilities but learning how to navigate through those in a way that's going to not only help you, but make the entire team effective uh, and ultimately the organization effective is the key there. Uh, yep. Uh, those uh, truly are things most of us have encountered along the way. And uh, these are not always easy to overcome in practice. So how do you think we can help in overcoming them? 
Yeah, uh, excellent point, and and I think it's a great thing we can dive into here. So, you know, hopefully this is also one thing we are trying to present in these episodes that, you know, we don't want to just throw academic uh, ways of doing things. We really want to balance that with real world practice. You know, our personal experiences, things people have shared with us, things we have seen, and we want to give that proper balance. And I think this is an area that we can definitely do that. Uh, Things we have had to firmly face at one point in an environment um, that isn't you know, necessarily always conducive to doing things a scripted way. So here are some ways that we think um, any new manager uh, or even existing manager can help to overcome some of the inherent vulnerabilities that are there in real world in practice, because we're dealing with people, we're dealing with different organizations, different environments, different politics. So number one, go back to your motivations for leading. Look at our the previous episode where we provided a checklist. Really dig into that and believe in what your own motivations are because that will be your North Star for how you're going to lead, especially in challenging circumstances. And be consistent with that. So when you're in front of your team, you know, you can be perceived as genuine and people will appreciate that you have a passion and a reason for being there and why you think you can contribute. Don't try to, you know, present a motivation that you really don't believe in. Um, Again, showing that you're a real person with a real passion for what you do and that people can trust you for that. And then being consistent with that over time. Again, the marathon analogy. This is also one of the most noticeable ways to not only build trust with your own team, but impress your boss and your management structure. Consistency, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, is one of the key things that anybody can do to demonstrate your professional, mature, and that you're able, that that your model is something that works, and day after day is something you're 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 doing and and doing the same way, and ultimately growing with as well. So consistency with your motivations. Second thing, whether you're building a team or inheriting a team. Identify three ways up front in which you can lead from in front or leave from from in front or leave from uh, the forward direction and three ways in which you feel that you can lead from behind. So before you even start anything with the team, think of three things on both sides and on practices that you want to do and believe in that you could where you could lead from front and behind. And that will help you, again, guide your own way of working with the team. An example of leading from the front is how, what types of processes, processes, what types of practices, quality metrics, and um, other philosophies for engineering or team uh, coordination do you want to set? You will set the bar for the team that way. You will also set kind of this guiding set of principles for the team and helping bring, you know, lead the team forward in that way. Um, an example of leading from behind is find ways in which you can give opportunities to other people on the team to shine, to take ownership, uh, whether it's having someone lead specific areas of the design, owning parts of the architecture, um, leading specific initiatives. can even be something like someone who handles you know, pra- uh, projects for interns, for example, or someone who deals with you know your integration pipeline or looking at you know updates to your frameworks and stuff like that it can be anything you think of the whole point is making it clear that you're you're 
you're not just delegating, but providing opportunities for someone to own. And you sit from behind and watch and allow them to lead those specific areas. And be clear with your team how you will be practicing them. So from when, the time you start your team, be clear on the three ways in both directions in which you are going to be a leader so that they know what to expect and they can understand why you're doing things a certain way. Also know that coaching the team on different practices, whether they're software practices or team collaboration practices or quality gaps, et cetera, um, are all things you're going to have to kind of jump in from time to time when you see it strategically fit. And you don't want to be too um, uh, strong-handed in that regard. You want to have a delicate balance on and, and strike when you feel it's going to maximize the team's overall output and deliverable. And by being clear and upfront with your team, these vulnerabilities and fears of their own will start to relax and they will fight less resistance because they will see opportunities for them to fit in. Another great thing is one-on-ones. We've talked about this many times. We're big believers in one-on-ones. Make sure your one-on-ones are not only consistent, but really do dive into building those relationships of, of trust and opportunity. Start to learn your team individually, learn what moves them, their individual strengths and weaknesses, and really try to build that one-on-one rapport so that they know that you're there for them and that uh, you understand how you can also help them. It's a great way to become a a servant leader. Along with that, define what your open door policy is for ideas and, and collaboration and even just communication. Um, doesn't mean that you have to be completely open about everything and have no structure, but be clear with the team on on what the policy is. You know how how will you be can you be approached? Define you know uh, how you would like the team to communicate with you, but make sure you have paths for that. Next is a very important one: over communicate to your own boss so that you don't feel have to feel that you are always having to prove yourself. And when you become a new manager, as we talked about, there's a lot of focus upward. You're trying to prove yourself and you're spending a lot of time really trying to make yourself visible in what your team is doing to your boss. But if you over communicate in a very methodical way, your boss will be keyed in and you won't have to spend as much time trying to continue to prove to them. On top of that, build a clear management plan in writing that you can share with your boss. Include what the specific coaching items is for each person on the team so that you can provide transparency and focus. Hopefully, you'll have a great boss who will also give you feedback and work with you on that. But even if you don't, at least there's something that you have that is kind of an official way of your going about dealing with your team. And if questions ever come up about the team or what's going on or how you're, how you're operating, you can always go back to that plan and show that you're executing to that. And no one will ever necessarily challenge that you're not doing enough in that regard. So I think those are some very tactical ways in how you can communicate to your own boss or management hierarchy about how you are managing. Embracing servant leadership. Um, And this is an easy thing to say and, and a very hard thing to approach over time. But I think if you start each day, each week, each sprint, month, um, or quarter with something to help calibrate yourself on servant leadership, what it means to you and how you can be a better servant leader, 
um, you will be successful here. You will f- look at areas that you can help the team even further. Uh, even if it's one or two more things, uh, anybody will appreciate genuine help, genuine support. Uh, you know, if you're if you have a uh, like a, a, a stand up every day, you know that's a great vehicle for where you can show how you can be a true servant leader, um, helping unblock people, sitting down with people on the team, rolling your sleeves up and helping them solve problems, um, going to bat for the team, helping shield them from distractions. All those things are very keen on how you can practice servant leadership. And lastly, as you start to manifest some of these things, you will have people on your team who become clear ambassadors, people that really believe in your philosophy, people that are... Uh, eager in their own careers. And those are going to be your ambassadors and rely on them to help spread your philosophy for what you are advocating to the team. You don't necessarily want replicas of yourself, but you do want to have a common philosophy that is an umbrella for the entire team that anybody can kind of latch onto and spread, which is important. So these are some of the key steps any new or existing manager can take to overcome some of the vulnerabilities we mentioned. And then sure, you're leading from both front and behind. To recap, uh, could you provide a short uh, checklist for our listeners on how they can start building a leadership profile? Sure. Number one, recognize that leading means leading from both front and behind. And don't forget that. Number two, align your definition of leading from front and behind with the motivations that you have set for yourself in your own career and desires to be a manager. Number three, recognize that growth and scale comes from being able to recognize your own team's needs, both individually and collectively, and your success will depend on how well you adapt to them, not what your own needs are. Number four, identify your own vulnerabilities whether they're environmental, organizational, or even your own personal vulnerabilities when you're put into a leadership role. And list those out and make sure you're honest to yourself on how you feel you can tackle those. And number five, create ways to build trust and longstanding relationships with each and every one of your team members via one-on-ones, open-door policy, servant leadership, creating opportunities, all contributing to a very balanced way of leading from both front and behind. Thank you, Adam. Uh, This is a good stuff. Thank you, Slava. In our next episode, we will continue the discussion and can cover servant manager philosophy. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you have any feedback, questions, or comments or suggestions for us, please feel free to email us at contact at effectiveem.com or visit us at www.effectiveem.com. See you in the next episode.